Hi, I'm Elissa Nicole Trust, an actor and writer living in New York City. Hey, I'm Lauren Schaffel, an actress and producer also living in New York City. And, and we, we are Positive, Positive Creativity, Creativity Podcast. Positive Creativity is a podcast where we speak with writers, directors, and other artists about what they're working on, what's inspiring them, and how they stay positive in this industry. We are looking to shed light on all of the wonderful projects happening in New York and beyond. Our goal is to give creative artists a platform to talk about their work and to give theater and film lovers the opportunity to learn about more creatives and projects. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you with support from Ahava Theater Company. Annette Storkman is a New York-based comedian and playwright. Her humor work has been published in McSweeney's, Weekly Humorist, Little Old Lady Comedy, and The Broadway Beat. Her plays have been seen or developed in New York and internationally, including The Bower Group, Barrington Stage Company, Edinburgh Fringe, The Brick, and as the writer-in-residence with Spicy Witch Productions. She is a member of the Show Dogs Playwrights Collective and a Dramatist Guild member. Welcome, Annette. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm really excited. Us too. <laughs> yeah. So, Annette, what's currently inspiring you? Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. Big question. Big question. Big question. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> at the time of recording, I think I, I always have feel like right now I always have to preface it with like what time of 2020 it is Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's such an insane year that inspiration and motivation I think are so um tied to what's going on in the uh news cycle and the world right now it is almost July (laughs) of 2020 Uh, yeah we've been quarantined for a while um inspiration is really what's inspiring me right now is is making people laugh um that sort of drive to make people smile and 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 do that it's actually really healthy for me as well um I need to be writing things that are funny right now um because Mm. everything is so bad and I know my mental health has been really really rocky as I think most people's has been and the way that I deal with the horrible things in the world is to laugh at them um (laughs) so there's been a lot of being like I don't know how to handle this so I'm gonna make a joke and that's that's what's been keeping me going right now yeah I really feel that so did you consider yourself a comedy writer before this time or is this something that you've discovered about yourself in this moment we're living in yeah being a comedy writer I think has been a, a long time coming. Um, while while I'd been developing my voice as a playwright and working in the theater, um, I always talked about how I was like, I write comedies. That's what I do. But I, I very much identified as a pl- playwright. And actually, yeah, over the course of quarantine in particular, my, my focus has shifted into being like, I'm a, I'm a comedian, I'm a comedy writer. And how I choose to present that voice travels over several mediums, the theater being one of them. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. As someone who has gotten the opportunity to act in some of your plays, yeah, your 
your comedic voice is so unique and just so hilarious. <laughs> I, I will say that it's this wonderful, as you mentioned, satire. Uh, so it's it's wonderful to see you exploring that in other mediums. Can you can you tell us some more about some of the other forms of writing you've been doing lately? Absolutely. Um, so I've been doing a lot of sketch comedy, and I've been doing a lot of satire and humor writing. Um, I've had pieces up in McSweeney's and Weekly Humorist and Little Old Lady. Uh, and I'm focusing a lot of attention on doing a, a lot more of that. So it's all, uh, you know, the, the wonderful world of humor writing, it just is so expansive and there's so much to do with it. And it ranges from character pieces to fake news headlines to listicles. Um, and there's just sort of no end of possibilities when it comes to that format, which has been so, so wonderful to um, express and experience. Um, and then I've been doing a lot of sketch writing and sketch was definitely my transition from doing theater exclusively to doing comedy uh, more broadly. So I started doing sketch last year Um I had been having like a, <laughs> I'd been having a little bit of a, a crisis of faith about doing theater, um, feeling like I I just like things just weren't hitting. I my voice just wasn't quite fitting fully in with the theater. It just something felt wrong. I just didn't like fully know what was going on. Um, and then my husband actually bought me a one hundred and one class at UCB. Like I think you you would get a lot out of this. Why don't you take a take a sketch class? Um, and I had been flirting with doing sketch comedy for a while, just with UCB, you know, the classes are so expensive um, that it was really usually just a financial barrier for me. But mm -hmm. at that point, we we were able to afford it and it was okay. So um, I started taking class and I fell in love with sketch. Sketch, I, I've written so many 10 minute plays and they get done pretty often and um Sorry, I actually should say that I haven't written that many 10-minute plays, but the 10-minute plays <laughs> I have done uh, are pretty popular, <laughs> at least from my body of work. Uh, yeah. It was an easy transition. I, like, understood it. I was like, this is a, this is a, I mean, there's a difference between sketches and, and plays, for sure, but it made sense to me. So uh, I started doing that, and uh, when I moved on to my 201 class, I met my friend Cassidy who invited me to start writing for her sketch team called Only Sketches About. And mm. Only Sketches About, we pick a theme for each show. So it always fills out like the first one I did was Only Sketches About the Moon. <laughs> and then we did Only Sketches About Soup. <laughs> and we've done The Forest uh, 32 Degrees. <laughs> and we have one coming up now. We did, we had one called Only Sketches About Curses, which was supposed to go up on March 13th. And uh, oh wow, that was like the day that New York City shut down. So obviously, oh. the, our cursed curses show didn't happen, <laughs> oh. which is too bad because it was a really good show. Um, but now we we're transitioning into audio as well. So we're uh, we're coming up as only sketches about only sketches about Americana. So ooh, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. So that was the transition. Now I I feel very broad about what I do. I'm a professional copywriter as well. So I sit around and I'm like, you know, I just write things. 
<laughs> the medium follows whatever the idea is. Sweet. That's awesome. That's great. So what would you say some of the big differences between writing for the stage and writing for sketch are? Yeah, writing for the stage... Um, you know, I mean, both are still storytelling. There's still a beginning, a middle, and an end. But I, I think with a play, it, it's it's t- sorry. This is actually a little tough because it's it, there's it's such a line between the two. I actually hmm. recently put up like all of my sketches on New Play Exchange because I was like, sketch is just theater. <laughs> here, yeah. here are my sketches. Um, but yeah, the main thing I would say. If something is a sketch, it's the the driving force of the story in it is whatever the joke is, whatever the game of the sketch is. Um, plays, I would say, also have a game, but we might instead call it more of like a thesis <laughs> or your theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, I wouldn't write an entire play about a man who is turned on by soup because it's described as hot. <laughs> but, that, but that can drive a full beginning middle and end with a sketch that's three minutes of just joke um, right right and a play is more about the the humor in that is more circumstantial about whatever is happening within the realm of the story a play oh. is also longer <laughs> if something oh, is yeah. a play i think it has to be 10 minutes or more uh if it's going to be less then it's probably a sketch <laughs> right yeah it sort of just even makes me laugh that you said that because like I can't write anything other than a full-length play I don't have that ability um but it's cool to hear you talk about the differences between you know sketch and and playwriting because obviously there's so many nuances that make the art forms different yeah <laughs> totally and you mentioned that some of your sketches are going to be in an audio format how how is that going to work? Yeah, everything old is new again, and now we're back to audio dramas. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually have a little bit of a background already in doing audio sketches. A couple huh. years ago, myself and my husband, Mark, and two of our friends, uh, Diane Flores and Josh Kite, who are both uh, pl- uh, playwrights and composers, um, we decided to make a little collective because uh, we're all comedy people for the most part so we uh we started making these specials and they were themed and they worked together uh we did like a thanksgiving special and a christmas uh or holiday specifically a holiday telethon kind of thing um so i already had a little bit of a background in it when we started to do this audio sketches are just um they're just wordier it's it's weird for audio where you have to like describe what is happening more so than you usually would normally for the stage you know we there's always that show don't tell but when it's <laughs> when it's audio you have to do a lot more telling um so it's working a little bit against your thought process um even for my I've been in a 301 class for UCB right now I was going to try to be on an <laughs> try to get on a house team this year but now that UCB yeah. is closed in New York I, I don't think it's happening anymore but mm-hmm. uh regardless we're also doing an audio show and it's even just down to things like if somebody drops their books you can't just say like or just have a sound effect you need to have them go like oh no my books 
which also is hilarious. (laughs) 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 Oh no, my books. (laughs) Wow. It's been a lot of fun though. I'm, I'm really enjoying audio as a, as a format. Um, I feel like we were already sort of on trajectory for that with the rise of podcasts in general. Um, Mm. And people like Mac Rogers who had been out there doing these awesome, like uh, scripted drama pieces uh, over audio. So, which was already so, so much fun to listen to and, and to do. So now I think this is really just the next, the next wave. Um, People like the National Lampoon have already been doing audio sketches for a while, and it's just so fun to listen to. I just love audio sketch. I think it's really great, and I'm excited to be doing it. Yay. That's so cool. So speaking of recording, I had the opportunity earlier today to watch your short musical, 14 Days, um, which was part of a larger series, right? The Insiders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just so tickled by it. It was just so charming and so fun. And again, your comedy, your unique comedy coming out. Um, I would love to hear more about that process of what it was like writing the book of a musical in quarantine. Yeah, so um, my friend Teresa Lotz, uh, she sent out this email, I think the first week of quarantine, uh, when we all were really freaking out (laughs) and figuring out what to do with ourselves, especially like, I mean, everybody I knew had projects that got canceled or moved and everyone was really freaking out about what to do. So she emailed a bunch of writers, directors, performers, uh, composers, and asked if we wanted to put together a series of short 10 minute musicals about, about being in quarantine. It was specifically, uh, it was specifically about, about that. That was the prompt. Um, and I said yes immediately because I love to work and, and, uh, and I needed something like some kind of goal, which I think we all pretty much echoed of that moment of being like, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I said yes immediately (laughs) to doing this. And yeah, it was really um, great. It, it was it was an interesting thing because uh, in so many ways, writing or like having to write something at that time was such a chore. And yet we, we I, I said this a bit in the interview um, on the video, which if you, you can watch it on the Astoria Performing Arts Center um, YouTube page, the musical is there forever. Um, and I said, when we talked about what we wanted to write and what we were going to do, we we just sat there and talked about what was getting us through. We knew that we we didn't want to tackle anything too horrible um, because everything was already so, 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 so terrible. And we certainly didn't want to feel like we were capitalizing on people's trauma, <laughs> but we wanted to write something that would make people smile. So uh, we started right there with that. And then we started talking about what was getting us through quarantine. We were talking about, I mean, we were, we were all, all the, I think pretty much the whole team was playing a ton of animal crossing. I think I've even <laughs> talked to you about that, but that was like what, 
what we were doing. That was just it. <laughs> Animal I love Crossing. It. You found you found your people. Yeah, like all of us were just playing this super wholesome game, and <laughs> and we were obsessed with our cats and watching our watching TV and uh, watching the governor in particular. Mm. Um, really remembering that in the beginning when everything was getting to be so, so, so bad in the city that watching, uh, Cuomo's updates was one of, one of the few things that made me feel very grounded every day. Mm. Um, his faults aside of which there are many, especially now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So we, so then we started putting that together. We knew that we wanted to do something. We knew we wanted queerness. We knew we wanted it to be um, to be a family. Uh, I think that even started as a, we were talking about, I, uh, my neighbors across the alley from me, I can see like, they're really, really close. They're kind of in a mirror apartment from me. And it's just, just the opposite side of the building, but there's a little alley in between us. Uh, but there's like a mother and daughter who lives there and they were having these screaming fights like every day for the first like two weeks. Um, so then we were talking about like teenagers and how horrible that must be to be like trapped at home with your parents. And it was so uh, this whole just like hodgepodge of, of full ideas just morphed into this, uh, these two women who one of the, one of the wives has to be quarantined or like fully isolated from the rest of the family for two weeks after coming back from Italy recently remember that remember when everyone was still flying internationally like at the beginning of the pandemic I did that I flew to Scotland for my 30th birthday for on March 6th and came back next week we were shut down so wow (laughs) yeah I did not know that wow that timing worked out just in the nick of time I I mean yeah I'm very (laughs) fortunate that I got to spend my 30th birthday in Scotland but also looking at sorry for this aside but now looking at uh reports about the way that our government failed us um Mm -hmm. as far as timing goes they should have shut it down they should have shut it down the week that i turned 30 it would have saved Mm -hmm. so many lives but it didn't happen so i'm very grateful i got to be in scotland (laughs) yeah i didn't get sick anyway So uh, she comes back from Italy, this character, and has to and isolates herself to make sure that she's okay. Um, and it takes place in the last twelve hours of this fourteen-day quarantine, where they want to break it early. And the daughter is being the the really paranoid, responsible one, and saying you can't. Um, and that's the the broad idea of this of this show. So then we put that together. We had like a ton of fun making up these silly characters and writing jokes and making these like really fun songs. Um, and basically once the book was done, I was kind of done. Uh, I was in the early rehearsals where we worked on some lines and just making sure everything sounded okay. It was very weird over, um, over zoom for sure right. <laughs> to be doing <laughs> rehearsals or like taking script notes and things. It was all just kind of odd. Uh, but in the end, the product was so great. And uh, Emily, who was our director, did such, such a good job. Uh, and their comic voice, too, came through really clearly. And they really, 
kept everything going in such an awesome way. It was such a fun thing in the end. Um, and the first time I saw it was when it premiered last week, which was nerve wracking. And then I watched ah. it and I was like, oh my God, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And so refreshing. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of really heartening to look back and be like, oh wow. Okay. This is like, this happened what now two or three months ago like in a sense I'm like look how far we've come from that and yeah. also how many steps backward but um yeah it was it was really uplifting to watch good that was the that was the goal there's a the song at the end is about coming together there's um the thread of of hope of being able to be together again and eat pizza yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love that I'm really impressed by your ability to ship and have a finished product in this time because many people are creating and working on projects but I think fewer people are coming out with something that is complete many things I think people are like, we're, we're waiting for things to go back to normal, which now we know they're not going back to normal. There's going to be a new normal. But the fact that mm -hmm. you have so much stuff that's actually completed and shipped is really impressive. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm a workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put that out there. I know a lot of people have been feeling really bad about their inability to work right now um to which I say that's okay <laughs> I am a I'm a crazy person who <laughs> overworks themselves all the time um but that's also how I cope mm -hmm. like laughing and overworking just <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's been my lifeline is is working right now. And I feel really, really lucky that I found ways to work and to do stuff, um, which has been humor writing and this musical mostly. I've been writing a p couple plays. I had one that's 20 pages from being done. Like it's, it's so close. And I, I hit that, that page when I was like, okay, we we're going to end it. Now we, now we careen to the end and I couldn't do it. I was having a really tough time with it. Um, which meant that I started writing another play. I guess I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's interesting you said that because I sort of did something similar. <laughs> I recently was writing a play. I'm, I'm almost done with it. It's like right there, but I got more excited about my next play and started writing that. And now I'm just frustrated because I have all of these incomplete projects because I'm also collaborating with some other people on things that are more immediate and I'm accountable to other people. And yeah, I'm just hoping that by the end of this month, I can finish the one that's almost done. But it made me feel yeah. a little bit better to hear that other people are experiencing <laughs> the same struggles. Yeah, and the play that's not yet complete is um, supposed to be a part of a, a reading series with uh, the Show Dogs playgroup. Um, cool. And I'm going to finish it. I have to finish it. <laughs> I like the play and I will finish it. 
Um, but yeah, I had a similar thing where I just like, I just hit this wall and then I had this other idea just being like, I want to be born. <laughs> Please write me. <laughs> so I just started that instead to distract myself. Um, I even went on Twitter actually, when that happened, I was like, this is okay. Right. This isn't lazy. <laughs> someone, someone that I follow replied back was like, that's how we got Barton Fink. So that's all right. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's a tough time too. Like, I don't know, sometimes for me, if I hit a wall creatively, usually there's like outlets to be able to, you know, kind of do other things like get on the subway and go travel somewhere else for a while or like meet up with friends. But I feel like in this environment, it's just a, the same kind of coping mechanisms are not there entirely so yeah I what you're saying I I feel that a lot it's it can be a tricky situation yeah I also um the other play that I've been working on is a is a is a horror like an actual horror um or I say I should say it's a gothic horror um but you do very well (laughs) thanks uh (laughs) but it is a bit of a, a change for me because it's not um funny there's like a you know a couple of jokes in here and there but I when I set out to write this play I was like I want to write a ghost story and I want to write like an actual ghost story I don't want to write you know one of my my normal like horror comedy hybrids I want to write <laughs> I want to write cool. an actual horror um which has been a which has been interesting it's been an interesting thing although I have I have always said that if you can write comedy you can write horror I think it's a similar mindset um but yeah, it's been it's been a challenge. The other play that was just like I want to be born is a comedy. <laughs> it's just another comedy. Cool. Ooh, well, I'm excited to to hear both of them. Um, and that's exciting, branching out into a new genre. Yeah, for the for funsies, for the fun of it. The horror in it is really all about isolation, which was timed very well with quarantine Mm -hmm. but now I just need a little a little bit of distance from it I think (laughs) is it set in the current day and like within a pandemic or totally oh no it's set in 1870 oh sweet 1870 in Gramercy Park (laughs) I even have the um I used to my my office used to be a block away from Gramercy Park so I would walk in circles around there thinking about this germ of an idea. It started out as like a very silly um, kind of YA thing that I was thinking about doing. I was thinking about making it an audio drama or mm. a, a, just an audio thing. And I, um, I used to walk around and I picked out the townhouse and everything of like, which one it is and like where she lives. Um, yeah. The whole thing. Wow. It was really fun. And then it morphed into me being like, I just want to write a ghost story. So nice. cool. Um, one final question I'd like to ask. I'm curious to hear what are some of the changes that you're hoping to see coming out of this pandemic in terms of our industry? I feel like we're we're in a very kind of strange and challenging time. Um, and we're hearing a lot of kind of stories and I mean, a lot of racism that's been coming out of our industry. I'm I'm curious to hear to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um I think my 
my biggest thing right now is I want, aside from there being racial equity in the theater, um, it also stems to a larger thing of, of the economic barriers have to go away. Mm. I, tickets are too expensive for most people. Um, M- MFAs are too expensive. Everything about the pipeline of getting into the theater is too expensive. People Oof. don't get paid for the most part. Um, I've gotten paid more in the comedy world than I ever have in the theater. Um, Interesting. I've had full plays go up with with no no monetary backing at all. Um, I think I've gotten paid twice <laughs> ever wow. for theater. So it's it's um, that has to that has to stop. Um, I also, there's a lot of, this is a really big question, obvious, obviously. Um, yes. <laughs> there's a lot of issues with our institutions and I, I want to see, I want to see more, more punk rock, honestly. I want to mm-hmm. see, I want to see more, there is already such a big industry for independent theater, but I want more of it and I want people to do awesome, big, bold things, uh, with a real eye towards justice and equity. Um, and I also want people to do comedies. Yay. <laughs> I want more comedies. Um, in general, I'm, t- I'm, I'm tired of being sad and I want us to revel mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, but I, I wish I had all of the answers. I have to do a lot of thinking about myself as a as a white writer, um, about mm-hmm. making space, um, and also making space within my own work for people of color and making sure that I'm representing them well. I have tried in my career to make sure that my casts were never lily white, but unfortunately I've failed at that a lot and I want to make sure that I don't do that anymore. For sure. I want to try harder about that. Um, But I also want to make sure that, you know, that also comes with a big consideration. You know, race is, is real. It, it affects the way that people, their, their outlooks on the world. Um, Mm -hmm. It's part of your character. So there's a lot, there's a lot to think about and to consider Um, in this new play that I'm writing in particular, I, I was thinking about this and I was like, okay, we're going to make sure that the names of all these characters are like not white names. Let's Hmm. be specific and say like, this isn't about, um, it isn't about race at all. Uh, The play, the play is like a a retelling of the Odyssey (laughs) (laughs) to give you a background on this. But I was like, well, let's, I don't know. This character is a black woman. Let's just have her be a black woman and, and have that be part of the character. But that comes with, with really careful considerations that I also have to think about as a white person. I have to make sure mm-hmm. that I'm doing that, that well, that I'm not accidentally falling into tropes. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a, a lot to think about, but I think that it's important that we start thinking about that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm certain that I will fuck up. <laughs> Sorry. Can I, <laughs> can I say fuck on this? Yeah. yeah. You're good. We're waited. Yeah. We're waited, I'm, I'm certain that I will I will fuck up and I will take it and I will not be perfect at this, but I know that 
um, it's my responsibility to start thinking about this. And that's what I want from the theater on the whole is to stop sitting around and just talking about doing stuff and just actually start doing it. I, I don't want to sit in on any more conferences or symposiums or anything about how can we do better and just start doing it. Just make a choice yeah. that you're going to start doing something and, and do it. Like I'm tired of talking about it. The theater loves to pride itself on being very progressive mm-hmm. and forward thinking. And there's so, 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 so many ways that we fail at this. Um, the economic disparity in particular, I get really angry about how expensive theater is mm. because if theater is supposed to be for the people, then you have to make it available. People always bemoan how much like, I don't even know. I don't even know if they do this anymore. Actually, I, mean, I was just talking out my ass. <laughs> you like people still are just like blah blah blah. Why do they? Why do? Why do? You, why can you sit through a two-hour movie and you can't sit through a two-hour play? But like movies and television are more readily available for people. Mm-hmm. The theater isn't. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot too lately, especially because now we're in the situation where we're forced to do everything remotely and virtually. I was like, what if this just was the new theater? What if performances could be live streamed all the time um, or there's more stuff happening via Zoom or whatever platform and make that make that shit free or a very small donation? Yeah. Like, why shouldn't we be able to do that? Absolutely. Like let people watch Hamilton on their computer or on their TV screen. Like, yeah, it is that thing where I'm like, I mean, obviously, I, artists should be paid. Yes, yes, definitely for sure. But um, I also, <laughs> I also am like, I don't know. Money is such a barrier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Capitalism destroys art. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I propose we ascend to our Star Trek future, where there is no money and we have replicators. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe there are exciting new ways to make theater without having to have an expensive venue and expensive seats. Like I don't know, I'm I'm feeling a little more hopeful these days that maybe there yeah. is a way to do this. I think we're in a moment of. Everything needs to be burned down and from the ashes we will rise. <laughs> I want Amen. I really am am tired of the instit- of most institutions. I'm tired of most of the way that things are run and I want to I want to break the system and I I want to rebel. <laughs> yeah. I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, Annette, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so wonderful to hear your thoughts and your voice coming through in all these different mediums. Um, I'm so excited, and I'm sure our listeners will be too, to watch and hear some of the things that you're working on. Thanks for having me. This was really, really great. I love talking to both of you, both on and off podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. 
We always love hearing from you. You can email us at positivecreativitypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at positivecreativitypodcast. And for more info on our guest today, please view the show notes. Join us next time on Positive Creativity Podcast.